0: You the fan that was with Tyson, got some of that shit we were trying to smoke. I was like, hell yeah, Pac, in the pocket. We went over there, smoked with Mike Tyson the rest of the night. <sighs> Lionel Richie was complaining. It was, uh, I woke up the next morning like, wow, this is, what a life. This is back into your story. I
1: got, I got the, the JB, I got some blunts right here. Whatever the fuck you want, we got it. Sick. Man, I really appreciate this. I appreciate you coming on. I know we've been talking for a while now. I mean, during season one, I asked you to come on, and we just wrapped it up, and I wasn't able to get you on. But um, I, I do appreciate you driving all the way out here. It does mean, yeah. it does mean a lot to me. Um, how's the sound level? You sound good? Sounds great. Fuck yeah, let's go. Um, so for the people just listening, tune in. let to do a brief introduction of who you are and your name and what well, the they, fuck you're uh, all about.
0: I go by the name of Chucky Chuck, Don't Give a Fuck. Yeah, I love that shit. You know, Representing Suburban Noise Records, uh, King Click, worked a lot with the Kotma Kings. Um, just a f- uh, freelance loadie, I guess you'd call it, like a, <laughs> a pop pioneer, they're saying. Um, I like to fight for the freedom of marijuana, although it's free now, so there's not much to fight for. So we're kind of just celebrating at this point.
1: I love yeah. that, man. Okay. I love that. It's so crazy to see the evolution of of cannabis right because I remember growing up I, I we would get the high time high times magazines and just like fucking look at them as if they were like playboys right yeah. and always like envision vision of going to Amsterdam because it was you know legal there and, and having all that and then I think it was like 2005 I was shit how old was I probably 19 years old 20 years old and um I got my first medical marijuana license and it was fucking probably like 500 dollars, right to get it and I think I the yeah, the very first thing I bought in the store was a hundred dollar eighth of Master Kush, um, and it just shit was so expensive back yeah. then, right? But then to see this evolution of all the states and everything going on now, becoming more and more legal, it's mind blowing, man. Yeah. The people
0: that used to arrest us now want to like sponsor us, and it's have, crazy. Have, have, have us smoke their strain of marijuana. Everyone's getting into a different companies and. You dump, I'll bet you Disney behind
1: the scenes has the fire <laughs>
0: going right now in the dispensaries over there. And yes, I bet you they're all involved with it too. So,
1: a hundred percent, man.
0: Billboards of people smoking weed. It's it's gotten
1: real. It's it's crazy. I, I mean, especially out here where 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 the studio is in Santa Clarita. Um, there's like billboards for delivery weed and all of this shit. And it's just like, how the fuck did this happen? Yeah, it's cool. I mean, it should have happened years ago. I mean, I come from the school of thought that I I, I truly believe that all drugs should be legal. Um, but, uh, for, for, for cannabis and how much it, it's changed and now what's happening like with psilocybin and everything like that, it's just a, such a beautiful thing.
0: What, um, state just legalized everything, Oregon, up, Oregon, Oregon? So yeah, you just go yeah, there and just smoke crack, heroin, Every everything, everything, That's dangerous. it
1: is dangerous. But you know, the thing is like with the epidemic that we have with opiates, right? You know, a uh, hundred thousand, the number one killer for 18 to 49 year olds is opiates and it's tons of fentanyl overdoses. And thing is, it's like if we, although I have a lot of issues with the, the FDA, but if they legalized it and then monitored it like they do with all the other drugs, right? That would ensure that you know your crack, your speed, your heroin would, would not be getting laced with fentanyl. Yep. Right. Um, Get all your crack from <laughs> <laughs> it's so crack. It's so weird, no man. Fentanyl. It's like, why the fuck do they do that? Like, why, why are they putting fentanyl in coke?
0: I don't know. I don't know. Probably because that might be another way to depopulate society too. Or like, yeah. just kill them off. Yeah. Oh, Oregon, everyone can do drugs there. Let's see how many overdose we can get. It's like, bam. $5,000, Oh, right. Yes.
1: Yes. <sighs> Who's controlling that Jesus,
0: shit? They got like a leveling thing of who? I don't know. It's, it's scary to think about, you know?
1: It is. It is. I mean, I, I, I know you can relate, but especially for me, like, I remember growing up, it's like, if you purchased this Coke, actually, whatever the fuck it was, it was like, that's what you got, right? It could have been mixed with some other shit, but it was like you never had the fear of of uh getting fentanyl in it no, and then overdosing.
0: No, it was freelance back when I was youngster too. Yeah. Years. You know, these little kids are uh, dabbling in it and what is it called? Um experimenting with of their course. Drugs. So it was like acid and ecstasy and mushrooms for me back in the day, but now it's like all these pharmaceutical pills and yeah they don't know what they're putting in that shit.
1: No, it's it's crazy. Did you ever watch that? It's like a mini series it's called Um Dope Sick. On Hulu, I think Not it yet. was. Uh, it's with, um, can you look that up, Tyler? Uh, who, is, who is the actor in it? The main actor in Dope Sick. Such a great movie it, or, or miniseries. And it's about the, the evolution of the opiate crisis and how the Sackler family, Purdue, really just kept on pushing Oxycontin more and more and more. And, and they said that it was non-addictive. And, uh, and and they would constantly, like, double the dose. So they'd start out, like, 20 or 30 milligrams. they go up to, like, 40, 60, 80, 120. And now you have this huge crisis of people that are all hooked to opiates. Who is it?
2: Uh, so if you look on the screen back there, it's yeah, the see. whole entire cast.
1: Okay, there we go. Yeah, Michael Keaton, fucking Batman right there. Jesus. And, uh, and, uh, and um, what is that movie? It's just fucking on. It's a Tim Burton movie. Uh, Beetlejuice, right? That, that,
0: Will, that Will kid right there, he's a little yeah you know, it was easy yeah it was like the brat kid.
1: yeah wasn't he in um uh, will polter or however the hell you pronounce his name um yeah he did just such a great yeah. show and it, and it just shows exactly how terrible um you know the pharmaceutical companies especially purdue really pushed the opiate crisis and it's just so freaking sad because you have all these people now hooked to different types of drugs um just
0: making mad money at it too with having yachts and boats and people are just dying. That's crazy.
1: It's just not fair. It's not right, man. It's a society that we live in today. But let's get to your story, man. Uh, where does your story originate? Because I know you're a musician and you you everything that you do for the cannabis world. And um, you've been such a icon for so many people for so long. But where did your journey originally start?
0: Well, I'd probably say definitely in Redondo Beach, you know, h- hanging around my friends. that would like skateboard, ride motocross, somewhere like training to fight and Big punk rock atmosphere in Hermosa, Redondo Beach, and a lot of musicians around there. And I kind of just was um, smoking weed with some of my friends, little youngsters. And they are a bit younger than me, and they uh, showed me the band, the Cottonmouth Kings. Yeah. And they were like, yo, check these dudes out. And at the time, I was playing a lot of, like, Insane Clown Posse. Yeah. Cottonmouth um, Kings on their first record reference the ICP. On mm-hmm. the, so one of the rappers on there, rest in peace, Saint Dog, he's like, yeah. he says something about the CD was on and the ICP was bumping or something like that on there. And my friend flipped out. He's like, yo, these guys are talking about ICP. And then it's next song they're talking about South Bay. And I come to find out they live down the street. Fuck. So we kind of like, uh, this is like 1998, 99. And I, we kind of uh s- swooped by their pad on skateboards and bikes and kind of seen them all hanging out front. We're like, damn, that's crazy. I got in a little bit of trouble with some marijuana back in the day. Like we said, it was, like, Yeah, illegal. can you
1: move the mic just a little bit closer to the, the um, Weed was
0: illegal back in the day. So of I got, course. I got caught with some. I got, in some. I got in some trouble. I had to, like, move up. My parents moved, so I was out of town, and my friends started hanging out with them bodyboarding with Bobby B, the DJ. Yeah. And, like, I was working at a tattoo shop doing tattoos, and I got the Cotton King's crown on my stomach, just huge. And they caught wind of that, and next thing you know, I started hanging with them. Became friends with one of the uh, lead singers, D-Loke, and, yeah. like, moved in with him. Started touring. Then they just started throwing me the microphone, and it just kind of took off from there. I was, like, a, a roadie, a rock star roadie, you know? And I just started going on tour with them. That started in, like, 2002, and I branched. I've done groups and stuff. We did the D-Gaff record. Yeah. I've done uh, Subnoise Soldiers. We just did a record called The King Click. I've done a bunch of solo stuff. So I just kind of, like, rode that way for as long as I've been doing it, and, been about 18 years now and i'm wow. still going so
1: that's it's, incredible it's, it's man fun. that's incredible when you were younger did you ever have dreams to be a musician and rap and yes, all that really.
0: yeah it was either a supercross motocross racing or a rock star wow either one of those i wanted to partake in and you know or movies too i always wanted to be in movies yeah i, I always thought that was really cool to do but um yeah I, I fell into the the touring world and music and selling t-shirts so it's uh, it's been a long road and it's been a fun one. I don't see me stopping anytime soon. There's no age limit to it. So no. people are like, oh, you're 42 and still talking about smoking weed. I'm like, hell yeah, so fuck
1: yeah, dude. Look at Snoop. I'll Buy a shirt. Yeah, yeah, dude. <laughs> your your shirts, the graphics that you guys create or that you create is just it's it's incredible. It's it's, been a fun it's really incredible. Um, when you were younger and the do you remember the very first tour you went on with them?
0: Yeah, I, I just the Rolling Stone tour and uh, what's crazy with that story is I was supposed to be on a promotional van so they had the whole van wrapped up like the album cover rolling stone with them all on a bus blazing of course and uh they had a huge bus too like the touring bus yeah so we pulled up and it was actually in burbank the old suburban wise records used to be out in burbank right here and uh we got to the van and it was full to the brim and there was we we're gonna fit three people in there the these guys called the hit squad that would be promoters yeah where well, their job was to go to the town before they'd get there and hand out flyers this is before like this like maybe even myspace days before Shit. MySpace was cracking and like hand-to-hand combat with promoting shows like flyers and windows going to um colleges or outside of parties or like clubs and handing out flyers so their job was to go to like tennessee one night and cottonmouth was in the town over so the night before they'd be promoting it so when they came people know they were coming and I was on that. I was going to be that kind of guy to be the tour before, so I wouldn't be able to see any of the shows. And when we got to the uh, the lot, it was called, the van was full and there was no seats. Oh, shit. But luckily, I was friends with some of the guys, and uh, they said, Chuck, just ride on the bus until uh, they lose a couple boxes. Then you can hop in and keep it rolling. And you, I was like, Oh, let's go. And within a two or three hours, everyone was like, We're kind of a man down on the stage team. So why don't you just hop on and do the stage stuff, wow. learn how to do it? And then, the other guys like, oh, "I'll roll on there." They're like, no, we're gonna take Chuck. So, I just became—I never—I slept in the back of the bus. And my first—they were—they were big at the time too. So we're doing sold-out shows every yes. night. It was like 70 shows. They were gone for like three months at a time. Home for about eight weeks a year. It was non-stop touring. Those dudes were road dogs. And with Big B too—that's this rapper named Big B. They yeah. put on—he, I became his hype man. And I would come out with, come out, do some songs with them, and it just kind of revolved into me becoming an artist which i always would freestyle battle rap growing up at parties and i was always into like wu-tang and nwa and all that stuff so it was kind of like a perfect fit and i
1: just kind of became a white rapper <laughs> you know it's so that's so crazy what you said is like white rapper right um uh, you know looking looking back at, at your own life does it sometimes seem like a dream like the whole yeah, experience yeah. you know not to and
0: recently too because we just went viral for some smoke thing we did we've done it before yes but it just we just went viral, and I was, like, seeing it on TV. I'm like, man, this is what I really do, huh? These, this is what we do. It's, like, it was it was crazy.
1: I was literally just showing Tyler the picture of that. Uh, you filled up the, what What the fuck is that thing called? My friends over there at uh, Elite Solutions, they have these, like, you know,
0: uh, leaf blowers. Okay. So, like when you see the people doing the laundry, blowing the leaves, they modify it to put, like, pounds of weed on top, and then you just take a torch <laughs> like this, torch it, and then you just... <laughs> Blow out pounds of weed in five, six minutes, three or four minutes. Holy pounds, pounds shit, of weed.
1: dude! Dude, the the amount of smoke that that thing puts out.
0: Yeah, he got. It. he uh, That's why <laughs> well, I've done it before, but it wasn't like that. Especially outside, it was like even when we were doing, we were leaving. Me, and my lady, we were leaving. Like, man, that was that was kind of legendary. It we is. Like, we looked at it, it like, yeah, we killed it, and like, I, I know, we walked away from there just not knowing. And the next morning, we woke up and they're like, "Yo, you're on TMZ. You're yes, New York Post." fox news all this stuff i'm like wow that's that's what we do i didn't really it surprised me but i'm not like it was just like wow that's that's what they do they're finally noticing like i don't know if we could talk trash on it whatever but
1: no 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 no. go for it, it. what we do yeah abs- absolutely it was fun. I, when i saw that post i showed tyler and i was just like so fucking blown away first off the the amount of smoke that it puts out but it was just so cool to like you know see all the news articles about it and, and talking about it um when you blow a pound of fucking weed does everyone just get baked how, how does that even work yeah,
0: it's like trim kind of stuff so it's like there was nuggets in there too but yeah. it's like it, it, it yeah it gets you faded because earlier in the day we did in like the backstage room and i i took a big old rip i was like oh man i gotta be careful not to ingest that while we're up on stage and another story what we did one of those a couple months ago at uh, a little spot in, called winston's in uh, ob san diego yeah. small bar and we had three of those inside there so when we we blew those inside that thing and they have never. That's like slightly stupid plays there. Holy Eka Mouse. That they've been like, yo, people smoking here, but that was the most smoke we've ever seen. What the hell? And like I heard it's it smoked in there for weeks. It just smelled. I don't but like when I was da- up there trying to <laughs> trying to spit my verses and breathe. I was like, oh, this is. It was just blowing in smoke just constantly blazing. It like a straight hot box. So. Fuck
1: yeah, but you're hot boxing a massive yeah. room. It's not like a, when we were just camping. uh Where were
2: we camping, Tyler? Uh, we were in San Onofre, oh, right?
1: We nice. were San Onofre, and I had like a, a quarter pound of uh, like some weed. My wife, ah, fuck, I wish I had the picture. I would definitely show you. But my my wife, she doesn't she doesn't smoke weed at all or anything like that. But um, uh, during like the pandemic and all of that, she decided to grow some weed, right? And so she grew this like ten foot fucking plant, just like legendary, and just like making sure the pH balance and the alkalinity and just like really right. on top it's of it, right? Form, huh? It is literally an art form. And you know, my wife is like five foot two, and, 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 and like I said, she doesn't even like smoke weed or do. You know, any of that shit and um to see what she created was beautiful but I, I kept this quarter pound because i always had this thought i was like well what happens if i like throw it into a fire and me like an idiot right i bring the quarter pound of weed we have the fire going when we're camping and it was like the last night i was like okay i'm gonna throw it in there and i was expecting like all this smoke and shit Nope, not at all. I just fucking burnt it instantly. Damn. And uh, we should have put down like this gate. And so like it would sizzle on top yeah. of it. But it just, it did nothing. It did absolutely nothing. It'll burn. Like if you don't break it up too and grind it yes. on, it'll probably just burn away. It literally, just. it was so, it was kind of depressing because we were all expecting like this big yeah. thing. And I was like, is it going to get my Wi-Fi? Um, and, uh, but but it didn't end up working out. Yeah, we've been doing those guns for a couple. My homeboy, uh, Crunish Cook King,
0: he's was one of the first ones to do it with me. And he's got it to an art form too, where it's just like, you could put an ounce in there or uh two ounces, three, four different bowls and it's just it's gonna catch on. I think other other artists are gonna do it. Oh a hundred percent,
1: man. There's just no doubt about it. And w- the company's called Elite Solutions. Elite Solutions, and then they they call themselves like the smoke busters.
0: Smoke busters and then um my homie Chronic Kush King's got one too with earth smokes a lot. These these guys go viral with smoke and, and um washers and dryers. Wait. They 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 hide in like little um Tugboats, like the little boxes, and smoke out of anything they can imagine. Ovens, no fucking yeah, yeah. way. They're, they're, they go viral all the time. So those guys are, are funny. Shout I, out to them.
1: I, absolutely. All right. So let's get back to your story. So uh, two thousand two, right? You you start doing that. You get is that when you got the tattoo, or is that the first two? No, I
0: got the tattoo in like ninety nine.
1: That's like, dedication, like, yeah, bro. Like
0: 99 two thousand era, and then started running with them by two thousand one, and all the California shows, and linking up with like uh, Twitch and. Scummy and like the whole bro scene was right there. Like uh, right in that scummy's whole been era. on the show, yeah. That like right in that um that whole era of of broness, yes, was right there. So I was kind of in that mix. And I was like 2002 and then by like 2004, I went on a tour with them. It was called the Wicked Wonka Tour with the That's insane such Clown, posse, uh, uh, Bone Thugs and Harmony, Cop Mouth, and the rapper named Tech Nine. That's fucking like, insane. It was bro. the first time a lot of people had heard of Tech Nine, so they were kind of blown away from. at least in the underground scene where i was from but i'd heard of him and after i did that tour i was like this is definitely what i want to do for the rest of my life and then i kind of just was full board then at that point by 2004 and just started doing it more and more and hoping for more tours
1: and just having fun is that your favorite thing to do tour
0: you know it it was until i started like had kids and stuff now it's more like i like doing live performances but like going out for weekends at a time. Because if you leave for 72 days or 70 days, even 30 days is a long
1: time. Yeah, it is.
0: It it just gets to a wearing on, you know?
1: Isn't that kind of crazy? Like, the older you get, you have kids, you got all these other responsibilities. It's like, life starts to change, man. Yeah, for sure. So,
0: it's hard to juggle, too, the stuff that we do and have kids, but we pull it off.
1: Yeah, yeah. You guys guys are definitely uh, doing it right. I remember that era, 2002, 2003, 2004, 2005. I mean, Cottonmouth Kings. Yeah, it was just it was such a like culture, right? It was like such a, such a lifestyle and everyone out here lived, you know, listened to them and rocked out. I've been to so many shows. Um, and, and then just to be able to see everything that they've done all all, all throughout the years is, is incredible. Um, you know, you talked about St. Dog earlier. Yeah. Um, what happened to him, man? I don't know, really. I, I know, Possibly people say drug overdose,
0: but I I never wasn't gonna put that in the atmosphere. I never yeah. read an autopsy. Usually when people die, I hate like, oh what happened? What happened? But it was it was a uh, shocking to me too. Like I I, I knew he was cra- He's crazy. Saint yeah. Dog was <laughs> a free spirit. He was a nut. So nothing put past that dude. I, I would never imagine him to uh, for me to see that post that he actually died, which was like two years ago now. Yeah. So when it happened, it like hit me even harder. I was like, damn. So I mean. I, don't, I never asked his brother. Shout out to Big Hoss. He still right. I talk to him sometimes. I just never really asked them. But all, all signs usually po- post to like uh, an overdose. You know, I know yeah. he had problems with that stuff. I try to help him. I try to help so many people. But you got to find that within yourself. You know, if that's actually what happened. Yeah, absolutely. It's a sad waste of talent.
1: You know, he was, it a, is.
0: he was a go-getter. He was good at that. He was a rock star in every sense of the word.
1: Taught me a lot.
0: Yeah. Taught me a lot.
1: Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's really sad, you know, when, when people die too young it's it's fucked up i mean obviously it's gonna happen to birthday, all us. It's
0: today the 15th i think his birthday is today or yeah it was either yesterday or, or today yeah happy birthday man yep.
1: you know shout out to saint dog you know it's such it a, a wild one yeah but an incredible talent
0: but well, yeah like when i first seen their video i was like what that dude's style is sick the way he just moved his like the way he, his mannerisms and like walking and just you could tell when he came into the room that was a rock star just like someone who's just had that aura about him you know not that many people possess that even people that do it they have to put that on when they go on stage or when yeah. they go in the booth. He was that sun up to sun down.
1: Just lived it. Lived it. Literally lived it, you know. Um, yeah, there there are very, there's certain type of people in this world that, you know, just everything that they are is who they truly are. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right? Because a lot of times we put on a face. we We try to act different or better or worse, whatever the situation is. But there are some people out there that, truly who they are every second, every minute of the day, and they don't put on a different face. And I give mad respect to those people. Yeah,
0: it's it's hard nowadays, too, seeing people with the the freedom of social media. Like, you can portray, you got the dopest shit. You I know. You got this, that and the third, and then once that phone's down, they're just like, they hate life, and it's just like, oh, how can I uh, make my friends from high school uh, jealous? Or, <laughs> how can I make this person? And it's always like what other people think, and I just, I hope, I, I like to sit my people surrounded me with people that just don't give a fuck yes. about what other people are thinking or just that whole mentality of like, Oh my God, if I do this, I might get shunned or do this. If I wear this, you know, it's like to a certain extent it gets too much for people. You Absolutely.
1: Know, so. Yeah. We, we live in a culture where it's like this, this cancel culture mentality. Right. And then this also this like facade mentality because of social media and it is, it is definitely bullshit, you know, because you can post all of these things standing in front of these fake cars or whatever, pretending to be this person that you're not. And like you said, then you put down the phone and that's not who you are, but to everyone else that's following you, that's what reality is. And you can't get reality just through an image, you know, like it's, it's so different. And the toll that it plays on the younger generation, like we're very fortunate, you know, I'm 36 in a couple of months or at the end of the year. And, um, you know, we grew up in a time where there, there, there wasn't the internet. Right. I mean, I remember a kid, you know, I was a latchkey kid, you know, out sunrise to sunset. Right. And just kind of on my fucking own. And, um, and then as I got older, the internet and my Facebook, all, all of that shit started to come about. And it's, it is very fortunate, I, I believe, to be able to have both sides of the story, you know, because I, I couldn't imagine, you know, obviously I, I think this is the great truly I believe this is the greatest time that has ever been to ever live, right? I mean through through technology and advancements, medicine and everything that, that we have, right? Obviously there's still bad shit, but there's there's tons of great and especially living in, you know, Southern California, you know, the the opportunities that a lot of us uh, do have is is truly amazing. But um, you know, still living in, in this environment, you know, it is so important to be truly who you are. And so, you know, when I look at like DGAF, don't give a fuck, like that's that's who you are. That's who you are to 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 the fucking core. And it doesn't matter what you wear on your hat or shirt, whatever the hell it is, but it's it's in your heart and your soul. But
0: it's also like I do give a fuck.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. Of course,
0: these kids, I know these kids that like, of course they I, start hanging out with me, and I don't look at myself as like a a superstar or like that. You yeah, know, I kind of see myself as a fan that got lucky. So when these other kids hang with me, they like try to. Show off like I'll get in their car. I used to be able to like hang out with everybody, you know, and they'd get in their car and they'd be like going 100 miles an hour, hitting nitrous or something. Like, yeah, you know, I, me out, me, chuck me chuck on, pull, pull, out, Chuckie, Chuck. I don't give a fuck. Like, whoa, dude! <laughs> fucking, put your seatbelt on or slow the fuck down. Yeah, you know? but it's like, and, and I don't want people to always be like, "Oh, that fool's crazy. He don't give a fuck." But like, I do give a fuck to the max. It's like fifty. It's like it's it's um a constant contradiction. That's why I love it. You know, it yeah, it, it works out though. So
1: no, it's it's two
0: sides of the same coin of, um, ignorance i guess i don't yeah.
1: know <laughs> no but it, but it, it, it's two sides of the same coin Definitely. because you can not give a fuck but also give a fuck
0: and that goes with the part of being yourself all the time too yes. like if i were to be like oh yeah i really don't give a fuck then i probably wouldn't be here having this interview with you because no a lot of my friends like, like they lose their lives they're locked up in jail and they truly don't give a fuck yes like i've, I've asked them yo you should chill on that they're like what oh, you give a fuck i'm like yes i do and then next thing you know they're not here no more they're either no. locked up or under the underground or, you yeah. know, it's, it's, it's a tricky world out there. You got to play your cards, right?
1: Yes, you no do. No one to give a fuck. <laughs>
0: and no one not to give a fuck. Absolutely. So, so you use that as your own discretion or it's damn good at fatherhood or you're a fisherman, damn good at fishing. Of course. You know, it's all, all kinds of different stuff. You can make it yourself.
1: What Bringing it back to, to, to your story, right? You know, um, you, you talked about your kids earlier. What is it like? Like, how do you talk about cannabis and those types of things to, to your kids. Maybe a four-year-old's too, a little too young. Yeah, but my
0: four-year-old, he's he doesn't even talk yet. He's like, um, he's just in his own world right now. He <laughs> do not know what's up or down, but he's the best little thing. That's Cole. But my 14-year-old, and he's got older brothers, so he's like 14, but he's like 24, you know? Yeah, yeah. He's got the the sagging pants right now. A yeah. big T-shirt. He came over last time I seen him. He smelled like cool water cologne. <laughs> uh, he lives with his mom most of the time, so... When I see him and I talked about cannabis uh he brought up the first time it brought to my attention was uh when he came home and he said, yo, the teacher said that smoking weed was bad and this and that and then I raised my hand and I said, my dad smokes weed every day and da-da-da-da-da. and he's like, oh is it medical?" he's like, yeah,' and like, okay, and I'm like shut ah! it yeah, shut it down and then like with his brothers and stuff he's he sees me as a marijuana legend I guess his yeah. oh yeah Chuck's dad's a um a weed legend this and <laughs> I think it's funny. I mean, I've I, I, I asked him if he smoked. He says he hasn't smoked, but, I mean, by, by his age, I was already doing acid. Oh, fuck, yeah.
1: I was ecstasy, down all that. and
0: everything. Like, what's well, cracking? So it, yeah. it scares me when I see that. But I, hopefully he's in that, that right environment, and I, I believe him. You know, when he's ready, he'll, we'll talk about it more. But
1: Absolutely. So
0: then he's still a little kid. And when you smoke that young, you, you really don't grow. Your brain gets in that, that stuck in that little thing. That's why I come... I'm that way. I did way too much drugs as a youngster, so I'm kind of like, it made me who I am today, which I wouldn't change it, but of course. I wouldn't wish that for my son. No. I,
1: you know, I, I want him
0: to wait till he's about 18, 19, until he really has hair on his balls. <laughs> and that's what I told him. When you have hair on your balls, then you can talk about smoking.
1: Yes. Well, you know, it, we already know through science and everything like that, you know, the frontal cortex of, of the brain doesn't fully develop until you're 25 years old, right? See? But, you know, that was my problem. That was my problem, too. (laughs) I tried. Dude, I was nine years old the first time I smoked a cigarette. I never not wanted to, you know, do drugs and smoke weed and and try all of that shit. I I always wanted to. And the first time I smoked weed, I was like 13, 14. And by the time I was 15, I was taking ecstasy and acid and mushrooms and uh, a whole bunch of other shit, you know. Um, But uh, there is a there is definitely a time and place for everything. But I I do believe, you know, I'm not a father yet, but uh, open dialogue, open communication with kids is so important. I feel that so many parents just want to lock their kids up and not allow them to do this or that. And the other thing and not really be honest with them because at the end of the day, the shit's going to happen regardless. Right.
0: Yeah. And and even if you don't talk to your kids, they got a cell phone in their hand and they got everything. That's another parent. Like some of these kids are like the parents are here you go. And they're just, swerving the internet, you know, learning about all kinds of stuff that, and they don't even have to ask their parents. So it's like, by the time it comes up, they're like, oh yeah, that's, that's when you you're nut inside the vagina. I'm people like, what are you watching on that phone? You know, it's, it's scary. It's so, uh, it's so true. But then it goes back to saying like the environment we're in now, the the time and the era, it's the most craziest time. Like 15 seconds. If you don't get your point off in 15 seconds, these kids are going to swipe to the next thing. Or like, it's just the instant gratification. They want the instant Oh, that that song. They like that boom. They like the image. They like that bicycle jump or whatever. Absolutely. These TikToks are just suggested ads. They're just sitting there surfing. So they only get 15 seconds of of, of airtime. You know, it's 100%.
1: It's, it's a instant gratification. But I, I do also see, you know, I, I'd love to see the metrics of, you know, the, the age of people when they like listen to podcasts, fucking 12 million people listen to each Joe Rogan episode. And yeah. I'm sure it's like, you know, people like our age and maybe a little bit younger but um uh you know tyler can you actually look that up
2: yeah so if you look on the screen behind you uh 50 percent of monthly u.s podcast listeners are aged between 12 and 34 holy shit wow that's young so 43 between 35 and 54 so yeah between 12 and i would say about 54
0: and the fifty-four and older, they're still going out there buying like face a day, <laughs> getting VHS to watch their
1: to watch their stuff. Huh? I remember crazy. that shit. But yeah, that is crazy. Twelve to thirty-four year olds, forty-three. What is that? Forty-three percent. Uh,
2: yeah, for forty-three uh, percent between thirty-five and fifty-four, but fifty percent are between twelve and thirty-four.
1: Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. Right, and and you know, pod, most podcasts are like you know forty-five minutes to a couple hours, right? Yeah. So there, that that's that's the conundrum, right? Because. Yes, instant gratification. But then, how do they listen to these long ass podcasts, right? True. So, I, I once again, I think it's like we're talking about it's like two sides of the same coin, right? But I you don't to catch that, them in that first fifteen minutes. Huh? Yeah, you do. You, get their you do that. That that hook is so freaking yeah. important, right? Um, so, you know, going back to to your story, right? Two thousand two, two thousand four, two thousand five. When did you, uh, you know, start creating your your groups, right?
0: Well, uh, 2005. The, um, I, yeah, I was about um uh, about 25 years old. We started doing the Subnoise Soldiers. It was kind of yep. like the the Wu Tang of the Suburban Noise Records. You'd have everyone in Cottonmouth Kings, Big B, Dirtball, Saint Dog, Judge D, myself, and we'd all came together, made a record with that, and then a few of us branched off and did tours. And then around 2008, we did. Uh, we were going to do a King Click record back in the day with like Copmod Kings, uh, me and Saint Dog. And then they wanted to do another King Spade song or a, a record. So they went up and did that. And then me and Saint linked up and did the DGAF record in like 2008, Yeah. Which we just came for their next so that I was real young at that time and, and we just came fierce. It was like the opposite of Kopmott Kings. Like we weren't talking about the that we were talking about smoking weed, breaking bottles, and just being savages. Yeah. And it was kind of more a rougher edge. And you know, Saint Dog was in that one too. And he was he was he fulfilled everything that DGAF was about and in, in every sense of the word so that was a perfect fit for him to be in it and it's actually coming up on the 15 year anniversary this next wow. year 2023 will be the 15 years and we're gonna do a release of the record probably do a big show get hoss out there gillies and um make some new songs too and just reboot it a little bit damn that's incredible Maybe man. bring saint Dog Sung, son of saint he's on the new king click record so he's wow he's an aspiring artist too he's super sick so
1: that'd be dope that's amazing man uh, yeah that 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 really is incredible um when you go to like write a song right yeah uh, uh, what is that approach like like it's do you write it down do you freestyle it it varies
0: a lot of the times i work with when i work with other artists they already have like the concept of the song or like the hook already there and the yeah. beat so it's that's like the easiest part when you already know what you're going to talk about but when you get your beats like my producer eddie ruxpin we worked together we did a whole record just him and about 13 songs called the hench Sword record my first solo record and uh, we just sat there and smoked weed, th- thought about what we do for, and just put it down. You know, I, as soon as you, I was hearing some of the beats, it, the words would kind of come to me, and he helped out with making some of the hooks too. So like we just put together a little format where you just make the hook, and then think about what you want to talk about, and get secluded, write your raps, go in there, spit it, and on to the next one. You know, we made a bunch of them, and some of them we still have. We didn't make the record, but it's just, it's a, it's a fun process.
1: Is that what is your most enjoyable thing to perform live or create the songs
0: definitely performing live it's nothing like that it's not even if there's two or twenty thousand I mean, might never played for like twenty thousand but like two hundred two thousand people or two it doesn't matter i'll p- always put the energy in and it kind of takes you back to the the energy when you made that song you know you like oh i remember this one and you just get into it and like you see the other people singing back to you that's like a an ultimate high and the first time time i got off a tour And my friend's like, yo, let's go to the bar. Let's go to this. And I went out and did some, like, what I used to do. It was so boring to me. Like, I can understand why, like, these artists, like, who was the guy back in the day I looked up to? uh, Jim Morrison. Yeah. He would get a high from the crowd that he couldn't replace with drugs. So, I was like, it's scary to think about it. But, like, the high you get, it's, like, irreplaceable. Yeah. So, you just want to keep chasing that high of the performing live. And, like, you get nervous. I I told my lady the other day, it's, like, kind of like racing dirt bikes. I used to race when I was a little younger. And you get so nervous at first. When you're up on the gate and then the gate drops, ha ah, and then all of it goes away and it's just second nature. You're just riding dirt bikes. Same with doing shows. You're, you see the crowd, you hear the people, other people up there before you. Maybe they mess up. You're like, oh man, I hope that <laughs> doesn't happen to me. Their mic's fucking up, or there's so many variables to doing a life. What if I trip? Or you know, what yeah. if, do I have a bug on my nose? You know, it's <laughs> just so many variables. But once that first initial beat hits and you get your lyric and your your mics on, it's just like the same thing like a dirt bike race. <laughs> and you just it's just come second nature. Just zone out and just
1: in yep. the freaking moment, man.
0: And, and now, like, back in like um, 2016, I started really coming into my own with like performing live. Like I, I stopped listening to other people what they told me to do, and I just kind of like felt myself. And I just would. My friend Eddie would get pissed because I'd like go on the street and bring like bums on stage with me. <laughs> I bring like trash cans and like dump trash cans or go in the <laughs> audience, do the most weirdest stuff. But it was like the free the freedom and like it just control the crowd. Like an MC, they want are masters of ceremonies. Like mic controllers, so you just gotta control the crowd and i seen this one uh act green jelly okay you know little pig little pig let me in and he's like a punk rocker charles Manspeaker speaker and the way he would demand a crowd i was like wow i want to intricate some of this stuff and then i kind of just came into my own now i get nervous for sure every show but it's just like when we're done we're like oh that was that's easy that's it
1: yeah that's it's fun isn't that incredible it's, so yeah. all these years later that nervousness that excitement that that's still there and that that means that you truly love it Because if that's gone, if that's away, what the fuck are you even doing it for? Yeah, right. I, 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 you know, I've I've never uh, performed in front of you know a thousand, two thousand people, but like even this experience, like this is season two, right? This is the first episode. For you guys, freaking excited nerves, right? You you come in here, right? Like, but you know, as soon as you sat down and the mic turns on, it's just like we're fucking here, we're in the moment. It's different, but once again, two sides of the same coin, right? So, um, where did this don't give a fuck come from. Well, or do give a fuck. Yeah, dude. The, the, they came from
0: don't give a fuck for I sure. Know. When I was uh I'd say about thirteen or fourteen, my brother played football for uh, El Camino Football College. It was like a community college out in like Compton area. Yeah. And he was a badass football player. He was good. And I remember one of the practices I seen this dude and it had a, like DGAF on a stomach, huge and like big ass so i was like damn i was tatted up. i was like what does that mean <laughs> and he looked at me he's like forget about it i was like all right fuck it." i kind of blew it off the name was nigel greer uh no dion brunfield nigel greer was the other dude Deion brunfield was his name he was like a running back for them or something and fast forward to the end of the season my brother like won the game for them tackled the quarterback got the fumble went into the end zone and uh I seen Dion Dion Brumfell in there celebrate my brother. My brother picked me up and I was like, Hey right, man, what does that stand for? And he's like, Don't give a fuck. And I was like, I'm, Yeah. I'm, I was like, I'm Chucky Chuck, don't give a fuck. You love. No that. way and he's all chucky Chuck, D-gaff. And I was like, that's right. So I kind of just took and he's a he's a brother, you know? So I just kind of took down the white boy sense to the beach with my homies. And uh, my friend Albert Gordado, he called me, he's the one who named me Chucky Chuck. Okay. Chucky Chuck, Chuck, Chuckity Chuck. And then it was this, Chucky, Chuck, don't give a fuck. And then I came, and I was like, nah, it's Chucky, D Chuck DGAF. And I would tag it on my backpack. And the senior year in high school, around yeah, 98, they went and, you know, when people do the pranks, whatever, yeah. they went to go uh, on the football field and, like, scribe it, scribe it with the with a bleach, the fucking yeah. uh, grass. And he put D-E-G-A-F. And then I got a call to the, the principal's office, like, yo, you need to come up here. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. See my backpack? It says D-G-A-F. That says D-E-A-F. And I'm like, yeah, don't ever give a fuck. Don't ever give a fuck. Got got away with that. And then it kind of just like um, back to like 2002 when I was on tour with them. Main way a lot of artists make money on the road is selling merchandise. Of course. And uh, recipes of the homie Pacalica. Yeah. We had already been like spray painting d on shirts. Excuse me, like um, stencils cut out djf on a white shirt put it all over just punk rock style fuck yeah so one of the lead singers d look he'd be up on stage wearing it and Puck league was like yo you should take some of this money he gave me some money he's like go to walmart get some blank shirts and make a bunch of those i'll sell them at the merch booth and next thing you know we started doing that and sold out next thing you know boom 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 dgaff everyone even if you don't like the music a lot of people don't give a fuck they like the terminology a hundred percent Dilligaff is on half the bikers in america on their helmets or Does it look like I give a fuck? Or it's like an acronym. So no way, man. Kind of just capitalized on it and put it in like t-shirts and that was you. Made the record. Wow. Kind of just got up, tagged it on walls, Chucky Chuck, DGAF. Fuck it. We were doing it all over the place.
1: It was Dude, I just remember seeing the t-shirts and I mean, it was just it was just pushed into, you know, my whole entire crowd of people I was hanging out with, you know, back in the day. And to hear that story, how it was created and how it all started, that's fucking crazy, man. It's nuts. That's, like, literally fucking crazy. Yeah, shout out to Gillies. He was in the, the beginning of all that. He's the one who introduced me to Calmouth
0: and got me in that door. So it was, it was pretty much me and him. Holy shit, stuff.
1: that's cool. Um, dude, you're more than welcome to smoke these blunts right here. Yeah. Want. There's a blunt and a joint. If you want the joint, you're more than welcome to take it. I'm with it. Would you like it? Be sure. All right. <laughs> Let's go. There you go. Sorry, sir. Um... So, you know, l- looking back, what you just said, you brought up Poc-A-Lica. Um
0: Yeah, he was like the first fool to ever smoke weed on stage. My, you know, you got Cypress Hill, shout out to the legendary Cypress Hill. Yeah. Maybe like a couple, maybe Rick James smoked a joint on stage or something. But Pakalika would be up there with a big ass joint or a vaporizer. He was like the first
1: person that I've seen. Dude, he had some of the greatest freaking what he wore on stage, the masks and everything yeah. like that. It just fucking insane. How did, what, well, first off, what, what, if you can talk about what happened to him. He had he, asthma
0: his whole life. So he was like as asthmatic. He always had a, um, you know, an, an asthma inhaler. inhaler. And so he switched to smoking out of the vaporizer a lot. He wouldn't catch him smoking much bong rips, you know. Yeah. He was always smoking out of a joint, vaporizer, little pipes. And I guess one day he was in his house smoking and he started having a cough. And the cough coffee didn't stop and he had an asthma attack. Suffered into a brain aneurysm. So yeah, and, her, and Hermosa Beach too, yeah. He died smoking weed. The way he wanted to go out. So, Holy yeah, shit. Trip uh, out on that. How old was he? He was older man. He was born in 69, I believe. Oh fuck. Okay. Okay. He was OG oh, when I first started hanging out with Delo and them. Delo, oh, yeah. yo, put some pants on. We're, we're getting picked up. We're going to the club. Pukeko would pull up in a 69 Cadillac, all white, four door, and we two skaters would jump in. He'd have his hair all crazy, a jacket to his knees, spray paint, with boots. He looking like a blondie backdrop. Holy was, shit. His style was crazy. And we go right to the club. And the first time I went, I think was like this club Joseph. There's something like Grammy weekend. Everyone and their mom was trying to get Jamie Foxx. Shout out to the Wu-Tang, one of my favorite bands. I saw the Rizza, the Jizza. I'm like, look at the Wu-Tang. And they, were, they always told me, hey, don't, you're gonna see a lot of people act cool. Don't don't get to all Starstruck. So I was just like, I just kept to myself. <laughs> and we got in right, right away. He's all. You with these two right in, boom. No, and I could hear you. them saying, "What they let? We're out here. They letting them in before me." And I was like, "Well, this full park's got some. He's got some pull. He's got some fucking pull, dude." And, and he, I saw Justin Timberlake in there, all kind of back in the like 2002, 2003 era. Yeah, Hollywood was cracking. It was it was different era. And I went to the. I had to go to the bathroom, right? So I go to the bathroom, and I remember what he said. I saw all kinds of celebrities. I'm like, just keep it going. Go to the bathroom, and they go, "Oh, someone's in there. Hold on a second. The guy comes out, it's Mike Tyson.
1: Fuck off, I lost dude. It. I was like,
0: Mike Tyson, what's <laughs> up, dude? And he looks at me, he's like, no. what's up, man? He gives me a big old hug, he hugs me, he says, I love you too, man. I we went to the bathroom, I was like, that's crazy. I come out, two security guards just kick me right, whoop, pick me up. And, whoop. How'd you get in wearing that? I'm, I'm wearing like skaters, ripped pants, just skateboard hat to the side, full blown gutter rat. And they're no like, how'd way. you get in here? I'm, like, oh, I'm with Pac. And then Pac came and got me back in, he's like, what would I tell you? What would you do? I was like, man, Mike Tyson's in here. He's like, what? He's <laughs> like, got me back in. He's off. Tyson's in here. Pulls out his little pocket. Had a little clip of fat, um, the lemon bud. It was the lemon back Yeah, yeah. And it would smell like pine salt. You couldn't get this sweet. He starts smoking this bud, and it, I can watch it going over to Mike Tyson's section. Next thing you know, the guy come over to me like, yo, you you the fan that was with Tyson? You got some of that shit we were trying to smoke? I was like, hell yeah, Pac. In the pocket. We went over there, smoking with Mike Tyson the rest of the night. Lana Richie was complaining. It was, uh, I woke up the next morning like, wow, this is, what a lifestyle. What? 2003, I was like 22, 23 at the time. Sitting there blazing with Tyson. Blazing with Tyson Pac. and smoking out to where Lionel Richie had to leave. Why? Because it was too much smoke. Ah. Was section was behind. It was right there. It was too much. Pac was just getting it. Holy shit. And then when, um, shit. another story with Pacalika when they got, they, they got, um, they didn't get rehired or whatever it's called when you get kicked off a label. Yeah. So they were on Capitol Records back in the day. And they got, like, a new president, and the president just cleared the roster over there. So when they got the boot, Pac went to the top of Capitol Records, sparked one, walked down all the stairs, went on every level, and just no way, the whole
1: shit. Just walked down the entire thing, just blazing <laughs> down just Yes!
0: Smoking out the whole
1: Capitol building. Boom. Holy shit, dude. He was a... amazing. Uh,
0: he'd, he'd lied to us. We'd be in the Midwest. Yeah. Where back in the day, that it was like... You're, cocaine or something the weed was really bad
1: yeah yeah yeah. they
0: couldn't have no weed and they would always say come on King's. no weed in the building park came up with the invention the vape bros where they had the box yep. with the little string to it and just blazing the whole time on stage they get smug but they just couldn't be like what is they're that? like what yeah, oh, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a it's a it's a machine fog machine kind of thing so coming out to 2022 with the big, big yeah galore, I, I represent that that goes out the Pac league right there, because he's like the main runner of smoking weed on stage, we just took it to a new level. You know, holy shit, dude, he would be loving that.
1: He's for looking sure. down for sure, loving Definitely. that shit, man. Damn, so legendary, man. That just like hearing all of these these little bits and pieces of stories from he your was a life, Power man. Ranger. You know, he was in
0: the Power Rangers too, right? Those uh, wait, what? Yeah, he was a Power Ranger. The bad guys that would come out in the big old monster outfits. Hawk was Hawk was in the Power Rangers. He was in uh, Janet Jackson videos. He did like commercial Miller Lite commercials. uh, billboard 100 dancer for
1: like the billboard awards yeah he's such a good dancer
0: yeah he's in movies and stuff he was dude like the character how did he OG. end up
1: do you know how he ended up teaming up with Commoth kings from what
0: i heard one of the guys seen him at the um wax museum at the hollywood yeah the, doing me adam tussauds right mime and like like a like a what is that the mimes yeah yeah yeah. not, yeah. A, not a funny meme but like no the, no, no the yeah. mimes, you know yes yeah yeah. And he's like pop blocking kind of and They're like whoa we they kind of approach him like yo you want to be in a band him like a pound of weed, and then next, you know, he was like, he brought the, to me, he brought like the hip hop to Kamala Kings. So he watched that video, Bump, him and Bobby V, they scratch down and Pac starts pop locking. It's just like that element of dancing and DJing and with the MCs. So, yeah, he had a lot of credibility, Pacalika. Black Eyed yeah. Peas loved him. I remember when we played his uh, memorial, all kinds of dancers came out, like the dudes from Breakdancing. Uh, what, what are these? The, dude, the jerk. Jared, sure, whatever that that those kids were big back in the day. Those little dance, uh, yeah, crews, yeah, 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 yeah. Forgot their name, but they were there doing that dance and like those clowns that get all crumped and stuff. No it's crazy, way, man. He, man. Was, he was well loved in that community. When did he pass? Shit, I think like 2013, I believe. Fuck, that long ago. so young too, man. 2012,
1: 2013, yeah. Such a young dude. I mean, dude, how old was he? he so 79, 89, 99, 2000. Dude, he'd only say he's as old as
0: the hills. Ah,
1: I mean shit, man. But and i am
0: like, "How old are the hills?" He's like, "As old as me."
1: <laughs> Damn, that's fucking crazy, dude. Um, so when you started making your own music, what was that tour like? Right, you first initially, you know, <laughs> tour with calm Mouth came. Yeah, it's a, that.
0: definitely a different. It's like I did it backwards, you know.
1: Yes. Yeah. Like going yeah. Going out
0: to riding on a bus you got the M and M's, the
1: green ones, in the green
0: char. Yellow. No, I'm just kidding, but, but I know what you said. Sold out shows, and then when we did that, the the, the DGAF record, it wasn't that. Oh, we were in a van. Sometimes we were in like a, a blazer in this one or a suburban, two different cars. Uh, yeah, it was definitely not the same. But still, it was yours. Yeah, yeah, and headlining tour, we did we we made it all the way pretty much till the end, and then uh, there was an incident in Wisconsin, right down the street, where from where Jeffrey Dahmer lived fucking dumb at this place called the uh what is it the, the eagle ballroom or something like that Yeah, eagle the rave the okay. rave it's a haunted venue it's like three or four stories there's five different stages like we we played there and uh the night before the guys were partying and they brought some girls to the uh to the show and saint dog's reading them and like oh hi hi and one of the guys goes that's they came with some dudes too and the guy's like hey light my cigarette bitch and he's like dude don't talk to girls like that. He's like, well, these are my girls. And then Saint just, boom, socked him, socked his friend. And when he socked his friend, he slipped. And then the little homie Gillies came running up to get the guys. Like, hey, you guys need to go. Saint came in for another blow. Boom. Hit Gillies. Blasted him open. And he had just gotten a fight back home. So oh his head man. was like, before he came on tour, he had 57 stitches across his head. He got a metal plate. What the plate. fuck? He shouldn't have been on tour, but he just got hit. Boom. And then that that's how that tour ended. That was that first headlining tour. Yeah, it was pretty intense. That it ended from there? Yeah, I kinda went solo after that. I couldn't yeah. Couldn't deal with like um, having to depend on other people, you know, because yeah. you could put all your eggs in one basket and then one one person cracks an egg and then the the omelet's blowout, however the saying goes,
1: you know it's 100 like, percent
0: When when I started doing the solo stuff, there was it was
1: I'm on time, I got yeah. my
0: rhymes, I gotta worry about no one forgetting their stuff or it was just a lot easier.
1: You're more than on time. You're early. Yeah. And I respect that. For sure. Yeah, it's, uh, and yeah. And then
0: uh, Suburban Noise Records and the Brad X, who was, like, the mastermind behind Calm House, he he got in a sick one and started, like, making accusations and, like, it, it got real ugly with them. They had a huge divorce, and at the time, it was right when Pac died, and there's, like, a whole bunch of shit going down, and I kind of just, like, thought to myself, I, I got to ride with, like, Copma. That's who brought me in. Of course. I didn't, like care about the business side. Yeah. You know, but shout out to Kevin Zinger. He was uh, they went to court, all that stuff. And he came out, he didn't do nothing wrong. And Brad was looking for some more publicity or some crazy shit. So like he ended up being the bad guy and Holy sold the whole catalog underneath Katma Kings. Like sold it all.
1: He on the right.
0: He owned half of it. You know, a lot of it, yeah. Well over six figures. I heard he sold it all and screwed out a lot of the other guys and screwed over a lot of the other artists on the label. What the fuck, yeah, man? Yeah, yeah. Drove U- Ubers for a
1: living. No, no one really knows where he's at now. But Dude, that's like...
0: Uh, scandalous.
1: I mean, just imagine putting all your hard effort into this music and years of touring and building, you know, who the Cottonmouth Kings are, and then this fucking asshole comes in and just sells the catalog.
0: Yeah, well, he, Brad X was like... He was... Uh, you remember the Jenny Jones show?
1: Of course, yeah. He yeah. was
0: Johnny Bravo.
1: What the fuck,
0: Johnny? Remember Johnny Bravo? Of course, that's Brad X from Kama Kings. Johnny Bravo, yep, yeah, he was that character. So he's kind of like always been in that limelight, and he had punk bands like uh, Doggy Style and what was his other band? Uh, forgot, but yeah, he's always been in the scene. And then when he started, like he helped a lot with like No Doubt get started, get, oh, doing shit. a lot of stuff with them and different artists. He was signed to Easy E too back in the day. Fuck, his man. band Doggy Style was signed to ruthless records i believe with easy e so he knows God. how that business goes and throughout the years he you know there he goes he got a pill habit uh-huh. We're on, i was on tour he started a whole new label i was with them united family music i got a tatted on my forehead i went all in with those dudes and i was doing solo music and it was back to it was it was so fun and yeah. just kind of seeing him sleeping all day and money wasn't right shit wasn't going down and quitting shows not Starting the tour and then the first night, like, Oh, we can't do it. We gotta finish the record. I was like, You're out here promoting what the, the fuck? record. Yeah, it was some bad shit. So I kinda just departed with them around two thousand sixteen, back to doing on my own, which uh luckily I pulled it off, did their solo record and stuff, yeah. and then got back with Kevin Zinger and Suburban Noise Records. And they've always been helping me since the jump. So I kinda like was just even lucky to be still able to mess with them, you know?
1: So, Absolutely. Absolutely. It's
0: been a long, crazy journey with all that music stuff. People be stabbing in the back. It is a ugly business for sure
1: yeah see that's not something that's talked about enough right nah. in the music or the movie industry right it's like you talk about all the glitz and the glamour and we put these people on pedestals but all the bullshit drama and the backstabbing that goes jealousy into it. And, and egos e- uh, egos alone ego
0: ego's a big killer too like i i stopped messing with one of the dudes because he his ego is getting in the way, and like he, we weren't at where we were before in 2002, 2003. Yeah. You're not selling out shows or playing a little at bars. You got to kind of humble yourself out. Of course. It, you know, and that's why I started messing with the guys in the first place because they were so humble and cool and would talk to anybody who was anybody. Like, yeah. Everyone was invited. And when it started getting like, yo, don't, don't take a picture or this weed's whack or just being rude to people, I kind of like started shying away from them and uh, doing my own thing. And some of them I learned, you know, and, and humbled out reached back out to me so i'm probably gonna do some more work with them getting some cracking with them and like d loke he's he ran the cottonmouth kings by himself for a while and was no. like hired other people and it was like still pushing so i give it up for that dude
1: how, how is how are the cottonmouth kings doing now that's Wait what i'm you- saying
0: it was just d by himself pretty much because yeah he kind of went off and hired a different band and just would do like his stuff like wh- what would you do if you know the other dude from the band sold everything
1: i'd fucking kill him right i'd fucking kill him and
0: at first when i seen it, i was like man how is he doing how is he gonna call a cottonmouth king was just him but it's like i i call it dgaff and it's just me but i started it so he probably had the same argument and he's recently reached out to i had a falling out with him for a while because i felt like uh you know when you can never get bigger than the band or than then you have yeah. for it, it kind of was like that kind of yeah. thing. yeah like jealousy a little bit and like shutting me down at the gathering of juggalos or i was supposed to do a song on the big stage and like he shut it down i was like well that's the homie put me on so i got all butthurt about it and i kind of let it go for a while and then just knowing how short life is and i worked with richter doing this last king click record i did one with him so why not give it a shot with d-look and make something happen
1: absolutely so bring back those
0: old school cottonmouth vibes
1: d-look and richter
0: they don't talk at all i guess they owe each other money or someone owes someone money with that but We've tried to get them together to do it, and they're just like, "Nope, you couldn't pay me a million to work with that dude."
1: That's fucking crazy, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: ICP made a whole podcasting like this about it. it's like, uh, it was like the Geraldo Rivera show, ah. like the rise and fall of the Cottonmouth Kings. They interviewed me about it too, and like it was shout out to Bonnie Jane Shaggy Tudor. They were just trying to get Cottonmouth back together again, and 100 play the gathering,
1: and so and it didn't work. Didn't work out. You know, when you spend so much time with someone, and you travel all over the world, and you like it, it's it's a A very common story in bands, right? Yeah. Very, very... It's so rare to have something last, you know, to to the end, right? I mean, and then sometimes they get back together. I mean, look at Blink-182, right? Tom DeLonge left, right? Matt Skiba comes in. They fucking come out two albums. I think one of them goes number one. All of this shit, right? But then Mark gets cancer, right? Puts things into reality, and now they're back together, you know? So it's like... You can never say never, but uh, you know I, I do understand that uh, sometimes you just gotta you gotta part your ways. But if someone sold my catalog, I I don't know what the fuck. Yeah, I lose my a, fucking they were, mind.
0: They're booked for a show in Vegas for like a four hundred and twenty event, huge festival, and a lot of the guys showed up, but the only one that didn't was Brad X, the one who got paid, who got the money. And he didn't even show up. So that's one. That was like the last draw of that I've heard. Jesus, just man. kind of how does Bleeded.
1: how does Calmouth kings even perform without richter
0: well i get loke just does his parts i get i never saw the, the show with just loke so i think he had like hired some people to sing along and he just do his parts
1: wow well and he so but he owns the rest of i guess so. kmk is yeah wow man i, I hope
0: that one day they can figure their shit out man yeah i think he's reached out and i think i'm gonna i'm gonna try to help him the best i can and you should man. make a song with life's him, too do some, short yeah, bro do a show do maybe get it he didn't talk about doing some tours he just did a solo tour as deluxe so that that looked like it was successful i'm just gonna give it
1: why not how is it all these years later because like you know the the, the 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 top of kmk and everything that you guys did was like 2000 what like 2002 to 2000 probably
0: probably 2009 2010 that's what people start saying that they fell off
1: yeah that happened. Stop though.
0: listening. Uh, I said, you know what it is, too? It's like you got five people in a band, and w- when you break down the cheese so much, it start getting smaller and smaller. Of then course. You, the shows start getting smaller and smaller. The checks start getting smaller and smaller. The next thing you do is get the band smaller and smaller.
1: hundred percent. So Yeah, but it would be great if it was just d and Richter, right? Yeah, you for know? sure. Like, that would definitely fucking work, right? And they, they, they,
0: they were doing it for a while, too. They Just them. They were doing it just for a while. Just them. It was working out. and I mean... Let's just say drugs have a lot to do with people's situations. hundred percent. It's hard to work with someone that's on drugs, especially like methamphetamines and like, bro,
1: it'll fucking every, it'll it's fuck crazy. everything up. Yeah. It will fuck everything up. Yeah. that's. I, mean, I, that's I, I know how to awesome.
0: party and, and keep it in the pocket for more, for the most part, especially now that I'm older. Yeah. I used to be able to, I was nuts. Of course I get it. There's so many stories I got scars and tattoos. I don't even know how I got them, <laughs> but nowadays I kind of just do give a fuck. So I keep it like kind of like a, a, a little mask, but you, I know what's going on, you know, and I'd, he's telling someone's tweaking or doing something different 100%. or
1: shit. Ain't right. You know, no, it's not dude. And the older you get, man, the worse, you know, the, 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 the worse it is. There's, there's one thing about having fun. Right. But, you know, especially something like methamphetamine, what it does to the brain, bro. It, it, it it's, it's not a good thing.
0: I'm not trying to hang around with someone that's trying to take part the
1: no <laughs> <laughs> that's you know, not the business it's like but, what the fuck is going
0: on what and then doing? it makes you once you're around someone that even looks like that you kind of get thrown into the mix like i don't really care what people think about yeah. me but i don't want them to think i'm a piece of shit drug no but drug, that's the know? thing
1: you do give a fuck i do give. You, I, I do my drugs and yeah. i'll help your grandma across yeah. the street man. exactly 100 percent. you know um let me ask you this right being so tatted right because like i've got a lot of tattoos myself right and um i remember being a kid you know, my, my father, uh, never wanted me to get tattoos. He passed away when he, when I was 17. By the time I was 18, the first ta- first tattoo I got was Jack Goldberg. And when he was born when he died, right. The irony, right. But, um, and then I started getting sleeved up and, and shit like that at a very, very early age. Uh, but for a long time, I remember when I was a kid, I worked at Starbucks, I had to cover my tattoos. I'd walk into stores, people would follow me around and it's gotten less and less and it does still happen, but not to the magnitude it is. Now, I'm sleeved up, I don't have any face tats, and at like that, what is your uh, perception of, of all of it? Uh, so, well, I grew up, like, in a not a, a good neighborhood,
0: but me and my friends were kind of crazy, so when people yeah. look at you, you're like, yo, what the fuck, you're looking like, you got a problem, homie, or what, yeah. what's up? So now when I see someone look at me, I'm just like, "Like, whoa, did that hurt? I'm like, oh, they still there? I just, you feel- I kind of blow, I like, I love blowing their perception of tattooed people out
1: of the water. A hundred percent.
0: Well, the one of the ones that sticks out in my mind. You know at Ralph's or something, when they start giving away those Monopoly money? Of course. Well, I'm waiting in line at Ralph's with all my stuff, and there's like a, a woman comes up with her daughter, and like I look back, and I, I, and they, she puts the daughter behind <sighs> her, tucks her purse, and just like kind of like, oh. Yes. And I even go, I put the bar there, put the bar down. I'm just like hanging, and they go, oh, um, here's your Monopoly piece. And I was like, oh, I'm not playing, but maybe the nice people behind me would like it. And the little girl goes, yes, can we please? And she said, thank you so much.
1: There you go. Like,
0: No problem. So like the next time they see a tattooed person, they they might open the door for him. You know, just, 100%. I love blowing people's minds of being a nice person.
1: I get that, man. I I, I totally I fucking get that to uh, an absolute t. And it, and it is weird, right? It's like that that old saying: you don't judge a book by its cover, yeah. right? It's like there's so many people out there that do have tattoos, face tattoos, sleeved up, whatever, whole body, and they're some of the most smart, intellectual people on the face. Of the planet. I love that. I mean, you look at fucking Joe Rogan, right? The biggest. Uh, Podcaster, comedian, UFC commentator—what he's all fucking sleeved up, right? Yeah. And it's like if you just looked at him, you'd think that he was just this thick, tattooed meathead, right? But then you listen to him, and he's one of the most intellectual, thoughtful, egoless human beings on the face of the planet, right? And so it's like we as a society need to stop judging book by its cover. Need to stop judging people's Instagrams and social medias yeah. for for what it is. There, there are so much deeper uh ideas thoughts perceptions of what a, a human being truly is and if you just judge them by the way that they look doesn't matter if it's tattoos or the color of their fucking skin you're the idiot or you, you i can't say you're an idiot you're just well you're not educated yeah i get a uh, it's not always nice too.
0: Pe- a lot of people before i open my mouth they deceive me they think i'm like a aryan skinhead or yep. some kind of like prisoner like how hum- like usually with cops like yo are you on parole I'm like nope <laughs> dude like, oh, you're prison prisoner or like no, I, I used to do tattoos, and I'm like Cracker Jacks. Step their game up, dude. Instead, <laughs> you know, so it, it's it's it, it it hits or misses. Like my my mom too, when they, she first saw me get town, she was like, they were all against it. But yeah. then it's like, they're
1: an eclectic son; they like it. It's of course, cool. You're unique. You're different. Yep. You're you're living your life to the own beat of your drum, right?
0: And one time too, I was going to be on that show, uh, Deal or No Deal. Yeah, yeah. And when it got to like the final stage, I guess Howie Mandel get, got to pick who he wanted, and at the time, I was just like had my neck a little bit and a little bit on my face but he's like oh no he's got a weed leaf on his neck nope nope I, I don't want to stand next to that guy hurting and then like I got shut down for like, what the fuck yeah I got shut down for stuff like that but I was like oh man fuck Howie Mendel
1: seriously <laughs> like straight up dude fuck that shit man yeah, right. that would have been so great to see you on Dealer No Deal
0: and then I saw they it was either Wipeout or the and I was like I'm not trying to go get busted up on yeah my shoulders hurt watching that show like straight on Wipeout but I love Dealer No Deal let's do it but I ended up watching the show, and they had, like, some dude with some piercings from his nose to here and, like, a cross tattoo on his face. So they were looking for alternative people to have on the show. I just was a little bit too alternative. Yeah, too early. (laughs) Too early, early,
1: right? (laughs) right? Because, like, the the perceptions of tattoos today is way different than it was even 10 years ago. So many people have tattoos. Um, And then face tattoos are are definitely becoming a lot more uh popular in 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 society they got they
0: got tattoos sleeved barbie dolls and stuff yeah yeah.
1: toys that's crazy really yeah pull that up tyler let me see that barbie dolls with tattoos shut the hell up really let's check this shit out um what was your first face tattoo? you know what i think it was a i got DGAF tattooed
0: on my face i believe yeah oh no i got on the sides of my ears like faith and love on like the sides of my ears towards like the jawline holy shit is it up Oh
1: shit, no way. Fricking, we're looking at tattooed Barbie dolls. Yeah, look right at that now. back
0: piece. On. That's tight. Ah, look at <laughs> that oh, I <laughs> got a tramp stamp on.
1: Sick. And
0: it said Ken on it. Did you see that? Ow, I just you know? my tooth on the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy.
1: Dude, I remember the, um, the, I was probably 16, 17 years old and I was going to go get a tattoo in Venice. And thankfully I didn't. Uh, I was gonna get like this stupid Chinese freaking symbol, man. Um, That's where it, I got my first tattoo. Was Venice. Venice. Yeah. What well, was it?
0: Le- I got on my leg. It was so a uh, dude named Wolf too. His like, <laughs> standard issue. His name was Wolf, and it was like a skull banner, and I, I, yeah, it's like fresh off at 18 years old, like a seventy-five dollar tattoo with a ten dollar tip. Let's Went go. Went back there a couple times to get bl- tatted up.
1: It's so crazy to see the evolution of tattoos now. Like people like what Nico Hurtado does. The re- like. It's fucking insane. And one thing that I always tell people, like younger kids, when they ask me, like, oh, you know, about tattoos or whatever, I'm like, fuck yeah, get tattooed, but wait till you're 25. And the reason that I say that is, like, I was talking about earlier, like, the frontal cortex of your brain is not fully developed. And especially when you're younger, you don't have a lot of money for the most part. Most people don't, right? Shake and scratch. Yeah, exactly, right? So wait till you have some real-life experience, some money in your pocket to get a quality fucking tattoo, and even if it your mind changes as you get older, as long as it looks fucking good, like shit, man. You you're you're a lot better off yeah. than dude, I, I got money, power, respect around my fucking wrist, right? Because when I was in my early twenties, I was selling a lot of fucking drugs, and um, you know, Tony. Well, oh, that's where I know you from. Ah, I'm sure <laughs> you do. I'm sure you do. But this motherfucker writes money. He puts power really small, and then respect all big right here. Like just like a terrible freaking tattoo. And then earlier, you were talking about like you know, you went to a party, woke up, yeah, tattoo. You don't remember, right? I remember before I I, I got this freaking star David. Um, this guy tattooed a freaking turntable on me. But it was the most wonky looking turntable that you could ever fucking see, and I'm lucky that I mean he was the person was even able to cover it up. This and I had to get it done like three. It ended times. up just being a record player. <laughs> 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 that sucks. Uh, I've had
0: those stories too, and like you're saying, the the
1: level of art
0: nowadays. <sighs> I wish. Well, a lot of people get retattooed. Like you can go over. The, yeah. Um, oh, arm,
1: dude, you could get that shit fucking a full coat. blown
0: yeah. stuff. It's crazy the amount of ink they put into it with the guns and like the. The soundless guns it's, it's insane
1: dude now they don't the now they just have like lithium ion batteries in them no fucking cord it's like this right here literally like yeah. this size right here it's in, truly incredible and um and yeah the cover ups now dude i i uh when i was probably 25 26 years old um i don't know why i wanted to get a tattoo of my dad and my mom right here but the guy that I, I went, he tattooed at Roman Abrego's tattoo shop. Roman, he's the homie. Roman's yeah. amazing, yeah. and I should have fucking went to him. But I, I'm drawing a blank on this fuckhead's name. But um, he did really good tattoos 50% of the time. Oh, geez. Because he was fucked up on drugs, right? And I didn't know that. And so, like, I literally paid $2,000 for this tattoo of my dad's face that he didn't want to put it here So he convinced me to put it right next to my fucking dick, right? Sorry, apologize, but like, (laughs) like, and it's like literally like this big face, right? And it was so bad and so fucking wonky, and I'm in the middle of getting it covered up, and like length, I'll just show you. It's you can like see his mouth still a little bit here, right? But that is close. But it's like, it's fucking. It's It's like like
0: what time? What time is it? (laughs) Like,
1: dude, it was so terrible i have like one more session and it'll Damn. be fully gone right and, and thankfully like this this girl was able to do it because i was either gonna get it removed right or just get it covered up and like it won't be as good as like you know something that doesn't have a tattoo on it right fresh skin right but this chick is she's, she's really freaking good and
0: oh tattooing over tattoos hurt even more bro
1: it's terrible but you know now they have this stuff called dr numb yeah and i i figured out the hack right What you do is, like, say you're getting tattooed on your stomach. You fucking slabber it all over your stomach. You take saran wrap, and you wrap it really tight four hours, three to four hours before before you get tattooed. You go in there. For the first three hours, you will not feel a fucking thing at all. Like, and that's just like, I've that,
0: done that too. But then the next three hours are just, well, that's, that's scruchy, ter- yeah. just
1: so freaking terrible. Um, but you know, like, I'm a bitch when it comes to tattoos. And as I get older, I feel worse. like they hurt worse. Yes. Like, so much worse. So. We've got
0: older skin and less yeah. in our system, you know? Usually, I'll be, bro, I'd be take inside. fucking
1: so fucked up and take Xanax and just pass yep. the fuck out, right? Um, but, uh, but yeah, the older you get, the, the more it definitely hurts. But, you know, quality tattoos, you know, that's something that I, I try to tell people when they, they ask because I've made my own mistakes. I don't have the worst tattoos in the world, I don't have the best tattoos in the world, but if I could do it all over again, I definitely would. I got some cover ups in my future. I'm not looking forward to it. Yeah, that's, bro. I'm not,
0: I'm not talking about it, but let's go. <laughs> yeah, I know. Dude. I,
1: I I heard that um I don't know if this is a true story. Now can you look this up, Tyler? Post Malone paid like an uh anesthesiologist to pass him, like put him to sleep and he got fucking blasted. Don't know if this is true. Probably. But he's got a crazy, he w- he went all out, huh? He went all the fuck out. But like, I'm, I, I, I know some people say, oh, that's a bitch move. You got to feel pain. Fuck that, dude. I'd rather not feel the pain. Yeah. Have you seen this new stuff too? Is it true?
2: Uh, <clears throat> Post Malone explained why he got a tattoo at the dentist's office and it makes perfect sense. That's like a big headline.
1: Okay, let me see it. Let me see it. Will you pull it up on the screen? White Iverson. Shit, man, his story is freaking nuts. Like literally nuts. All right, let's see. Uh, tattoos artist says uh, inked under the skin. Okay, yeah. So it might. Yeah, yeah I that's, think I,
0: that's full blown rich cheating. status. that is rich. status, but come on,
1: bro. <laughs> I would, bro, do, it if I I would forward, yeah. do it too. I would fucking do it too. I would one hundred percent. Yeah, look at this. All right, so there's a video playing right now of Post Malone, and uh, he's at what like a dentist office. He's getting tattooed. Fuck, dude. Look at
2: i'm jealous
1: damn bro that's just crazy yeah, that's a long video. yeah no no no. Right, here we go here we go all right so right now he's a tattoo damn so what is he at the dentist i would i would it probably yeah, better be a like nice
0: it. spot where it hurts like the
1: ribs the stomach the back i know Yo, he's going ribs stomach back all right, do you think they are gonna knock him out no he's awake oh wait is he sleeping Oh, they're blocking his face. They can't see a sleeping Ah, Malone. So dumb. Sleeping he's passed the fuck out, dude. Absolutely. He's definitely passed out. Damn, though. So he's literally at the dentist's office, gotten two or three people tattooed about once, Damn, and he's he knocked some the slick fuck work. out. Hell yeah, dude. Look at that. Oh, yeah, he definitely got put out. They didn't show his face. Did you face.
0: see a video of him falling recently?
1: Bro. That looked
0: like a hurt. Bro. It wasn't that bad, but he. <sighs> bro <laughs> but what happened was that the music was still going
1: so he was lip singing I know posty I know why is it? <laughs> fuck man it's so dumb it's so dumb but that's crazy That yeah. that is some rich shit baller, baller shit, shit. Yeah. but let me tell you if I had the extra $10,000 I'd do it I would do it in a Fucking heartbeat. Feel my legs. Out. I yeah. gotta go. For my legs are pretty empty, so I gotta get. Bro, there. you can fucking have like six people tattoo you at once. But have you seen this? Um, so now when I get tattooed, they could be doing a lot of other stuff. Do you? Yeah, I'll <laughs> be out playing with your little pecker. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, uh, it's this. uh So they they put it on burn victims, and it's like this. uh it's a, Not Saran wrap, but it like he it goes over the tattoo, right? And so what it does, because like back in the day when I get tattooed. You'd fucking have to put the lotion and the shit on, let it scab up, let the scab fall off. But you put this, um, can you look that up too? It's like a, like a, uh, fuck, what the fuck is it called? It's like a wrap that goes over yeah, burn and you, victims. Yeah, you don't, you leave it on there. And you leave it on there for I've a week. Yeah, yeah, you've done, done that, right? And, and so it, instead of scabbing, you right? You just
0: peel it off and it's healed. And
1: it's fucking healed. Yeah, it's crazy. It's the greatest invention ever. My
0: friend who did a lot of my, my head, like a metal finger on the top here and, and some stuff on the front, he had a numbing ink. Okay. So there was numbing stuff in the ink. So as you go along it starts numbing the area exactly where you're doing it and that that That's it, brilliant. I fell asleep during that but that's without brilliant. the anesthesia, my own
1: anesthesia. Yeah. yeah. What yeah, is it, it,
2: it looks like it's called Saniderm?
1: Yes, it's called Saniderm. Yeah, 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 that's bro, it's incredible. If you ever get tattooed, make sure you use Saniderm. I don't know why they never used it before. I don't know if it was invented before, whatever the hell it was, but these past two these past three tattoo experiences that I've had with this cover up, um it change the fucking game because that was like the worst of it. Like, you know, That's always getting bad. scabby and just everything. And, and just a week later you take it off. And, and because what that does is it protects the, uh, the, the you know, the, 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 skin. And so instead of hardening that, whatever the fuck is going on in your body, when it, when a scab happens, look that up. I want to see what that, I want to see that. Cause I want to, I feel like an idiot talking about it right now. I get
0: infected. Like my friend had this huge line on his ribs. And he just got it and didn't. I was like, "You are supposed to cover?" He's like, "No, man, I'm not. Don't touch it. Don't touch it." I'm like, "All right, I, don't take it from me or nothing." Fuck. I don't have any tattoos, and he just let it go and fell asleep on his bed with his little dog there, and the dog hairs got in <gasps> on it, and he like went to wash it straight like infected, oh, nasty shit,
1: just, dude. That's nasty fucking tattoos.
0: It wasn't a lion anymore. It was like yeah, a, like a yeah, lion.
1: So, but instead of scabbing up, all that whatever the hell the, the the stuff is in a scab. Now, I wanted to see like when when a body scabs up, like what happens? What happens when you die?
0: That's <laughs> a sick nautical star, bro.
1: I know, bro. That <laughs> shit looks nasty as fuck. And that's always the crazy part too. Is like when it when it scabs up, um, it just looks so freaking gross. All right, uh, I'll read this. The tattooed area is a wound, and your body forms a scab during the healing process to attempt to prevent infection by walling the wound uh, off from outside germs. When the skin fully regenerates underneath, the scab will gently fall off, and moisturizing and cleansing properly will support this process. I say fuck that. Put Saniderm on, and your life will fucking change. Yeah, it's dangerous. Yeah, but you get a tattoo on the face, you're going to wear Saniderm on your fucking face? yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I don't I, know, I you I just wrap it, it around your head and, yeah, Literally you Put a beanie on That's fucking week. crazy That's crazy That, um, the, the top tattoo What was that one you said earlier? Yeah,
0: I had, um, it was Oh, fuck you got It was United Family year. Music And that was a king of the cover-up, too It's like, a you know Ring of, ro- ring around the roses I love um, that, dude I love Jesus. that Jesus
1: I love that So how did you get involved in the cannabis industry?
0: Probably, you know, obviously With Cotton just The love of cannabis And when I was younger I was a little hyperactive in school and learning disabilities. So they par- try to put me on anything under the sun. They decide on a drug called Silert. Okay. And I looked that up. Look it up. Look if I'm entitled to anything f- for taking that in the mid Look it up, young Tyler. <laughs> no, hey, Silert, look it up, old man. It's like a Ritalin kind of thing too, but it would make me like zone out. Like, yep. And it broke me out and zits. And I was just like, I feel like I'm, and I was already smoking weed at the time, but I was like, I feel like I'm just smoking weed. So I would act like I take the Silert and just smoke weed go to school and learn and i'd pay attention it would like calm me down and pay attention so i've been smoking since 12 13 years old i'm 42 now so i've been smoking for a long time. 30 years man what does
2: it say yeah it looks like it's no longer available ah see
1: yeah yeah so it's a prescription medicine used to treat the symptoms of adhd which yeah. is bullshit uh, you know what, what's so crazy with adhd right is they go okay right you you go to school right and these kids are bouncing off all over the bouncing uh, everywhere right But then they go and play a video game and they're fucking locked in. Yeah. Right. The issue is, is not that they have, I'm not saying ADHD is not a real thing. It's just that when you have a hyperactive personality, right? You need to fucking be doing things that interest you. Yeah, exactly. It's not ADHD. It's, I don't want to do this. Exactly. (laughs) And that's exactly what it was. Same thing for me. So funny that you said that because when I was, 12 years old 13 years old i was prescribed 10 milligram adderall right which is fucking nuts to think about that's what they gave little kids back then i'm sure they still do um and i did not like it because it made me feel like i was in a fucking box right it just made me like like this so i pretend to take it and then i would throw it in my sock drawer and I, i'm telling you, i did this for well over a year and then i talked to my parents and told them and they said you don't have to be on it anymore and shit like that but um you know, it was just it made me feel weird and uncomfortable. Now, as an adult, I've taken Adderall. And it's a completely different story. But I think yeah, I'll you, fall
0: asleep I, and I, when I got big Adderall. I was like, I'll do this. You'll you're, you'll create a whole album one night. I, I took it and fell asleep. Yeah. Well, that's yeah.
1: <laughs> you're fucking crazy. <laughs> They're like, oh, you needed it. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure.
0: Well, yeah, with cannabis, I just kind of the, the love for it, too. A lot of homies I grew up with, living with, they've always been on the forefront of growing and having some of the craziest grows from humble County to your local neighbor in indoor next door, and a lot of them over in Oklahoma right now. And Oklahoma is like the gold rush of weed. Fuck yeah! There's twenty dispensaries on each block. It's it's just crazy. So I I I never thought about it, it as like a ambassador. I just always been a weed head, and I've always been attracted to the weed. So wherever it was at, well, you'll find me. And then like. Just, that's how I kind of became an ambassador for it or just like all about it. It's just getting high. It might sound bad. Like I'm not going to sit here and be like, I wanted to cure my glaucoma or ah, but
1: I smoked that shit to
0: get high and to feel like, fuck uh, yeah,
1: not as man, you know, there, there's a thing, right? I, I think weed is fantastic, right? But it affects everyone differently, right? Exactly. Uh, you know, there are people out there that smoke weed that are fucking lazy as shit. So people that smoke weed, that get tired. There's people that smoke weed, to alleviates their pain, their headaches, this people that smoke weed and it gets some, you know, Fucking pumped. There's people like me. If I, I I like smoking like a like a sativa, right? Um, like if I'll go about like I will go on the sauna or whatever, and it just it makes you evaluate your fucking life, right? And that is why I I like mushrooms so much, right? Yeah, I'm a hundred even microdose and and a, and a macro dose, you yeah. know, depending on the situation, right? Um, for me, like psychedelics, because you know cannabis is a psychedelic, um. It it, it, it helps deflate the ego. And, you know, it's like a thing that you're talking about earlier, Brad X and all these motherfuckers, right? That your ego gets so large and you think that your your shit does not stink when in reality that is not really how life is. And you need to be able to evaluate these things. And that's why, like, cannabis and, and psilocybin they they especially for me and i know for a lot of people it pushes those things to the front right things that you're constantly trying to yeah. hide from you know i always tripped on with with mushrooms is
0: like who's the first person like the indigenous people to be like yo let's eat this and just and that's what they they found out when they ate it they evaluated their camp and what was wrong with their their rocks over here or like imagine the first person to find out mushrooms oh, like man, magical.
1: incredible old man look
0: it up let's see that's crazy dude that, it, that, that they're it's legal in Colorado with with mushrooms and yeah, a lot of doctors and top rank lawyers or businessmen they take mushrooms and they go into their meetings and they're just spot on they're firing at all
1: cylinders it's like that's their coffee a hundred percent yeah Work I love taking I up. love taking microdose let's see what it is
2: uh, it looks like the chalcolithic uh, Tyrolean Iceman Utsi carried several types of fungi on on his person I've actually heard of Utsi. he's a he's a pretty well known historian. A it's like historic figure
1: so this so the the chaco catholic tyrolean ice man otzi uh carried several types of fungi on his person this uh, now is this a, a magic mushroom psychedelic who invented psychedelic mushrooms uh no well albert Hoffman was lsd um that's good to know too though yeah well yeah so that
0: was my drug of choice growing that, up lsd yeah yeah, $3, so dollars, you're high for seven hours. dude,
1: insane. So when was the first... Uh, let's see this. The first mention of hallucinogenic mushrooms in Europe, European medical literature was in the London Medical and Physical Journal of 1799. A man uh, served... I don't know how to pronounce that, mushrooms. He had picked for breakfast in the London Green Park to his family. Yeah, but you, I think it goes way farther back. Like indigenous cultures have been taking it for generations, for sure. right?
0: Like Indians and stuff are like peyote.
1: A hundred percent.
0: sit down and I'm like, yo, you, we need to reevaluate how we're living right now.
1: Absolutely. Ayahuasca, you yeah. know, another one, DMT. Have you ever experienced that? Yeah, it's, it is, it'll
0: answer your questions. You go it into will, it with a question, it'll answer for you. A
1: hundred percent, a hundred percent. I know I've told this story so many times before, so sorry guys uh, and, and girls, but um, you know, about five years ago I had um, been flying to visit my mom in Jersey with my wife and, um, and I started feeling a lot of stomach pain. Long story short um, I had internal bleeding and I ended up being in the hospital for almost two and a half, three weeks. I was put on life support. I, I literally thought I was going to die. Trach, the whole fucking nine, right? My wife right by my side. And um, and I had made peace with that. I, I was going to die. And my wife truly thought I was going to die as well. And um, wh- what had happened, How I actually got out of it. I'm was kind of crazy. I'm, I'm on life support and all this shit. And my wife says, I'm going to go. Uh, I'll be back in like an hour or two. And I was like, yeah. just kind of like nodded to her. And um, obviously, my this was going to happen, but it was just so powerful for me. Uh, she went and picked up my brother and sister. They both flew in, and the moment they walked in, it was just like the weirdest thing. It gave me like this energy and this power to just kind of fight through it. And I ended up getting out, right? And I ended up living. But when I got out, when you make peace that you're really going to die, and then and then you don't, um, it was very hard for me. It fucked with my head so bad, and and I got really into a bad state of depression and, um, uh, suicidal thoughts. And like, it was just getting eaten me alive to the point where I was, um, in, in New Orleans for, for some work. And I had a Brittany moment, dude. I shaved my fucking hair off my eyebrows, my beard, the whole fucking eye went crazy. And, and I, I, I was like this close from off of myself. And my buddy, Alex, uh, Weston had been saving some DMT for me and he goes, Brock, when you are ready, you will know. And, and so I got back and, and I hit him up and we, I go to the, the studio where, where, where he is and it's just him and I, and I, I take the first hit, the second, third, fourth, by the time i hit the fourth hit, I'm into this other fucking dimension. I'm laying on this bed and I'm looking up and, um, and I see my dad's face and, uh, and like I, t- I told you, he passed when I was 17 and, um, and I was like dad, I can't fucking do this anymore. I just can't. And he goes, Brock, he goes, right now is not your time. You have a lot more to live. Wow. And he just kept on saying that and saying that. And I remember coming out of it and it was the weirdest thing, dude. I get out of it and, and all of that negative thought, all of that, you know, thoughts of wanting to off, all that just dissipated. And I had this newfound feeling to fucking live and fight and, you know, and deal with it. And it's just like so strange that we don't. Properly use these tools in society. We want to give them this antidepressant, this up or this down, or to f- solve all these problems. When it's like we have the tools right at our expense, right? Yeah, three big hits of DMT and figure it out. You could stop wars, a hundred percent. Sometimes,
0: you know what? To be honest, nitrous oxide is like that, and that's a crazy. Yeah. Exactly. Thank God you're still here. Thank you, brother. But like that's like with nitrous. It's the same way. You hit that, and you think about well, we could solve world hunger like this. hundred percent. everyone in the room? Take a hit of this. It's like the DMT if you hit it right yeah that it's mind altering but it's also like awakening. It is. In a
1: way. It's so important man. It's it's so important. I know psychedelics are not made for everyone but it could help a lot of people out. For sure. It could solve so like so much depression, anxiety and it, it deflates the ego and makes you face the things that you don't want to face. And that is why they are such powerful tools. And I hope as we get older, you know, when, when we get in our 50s and 60s and 70s, as as American you know, society and within our culture, we we start to really look at these. I mean, do you even have you ever heard of Ibogaine? No. Ibogaine is like one of the strongest hallucinogenics. We just pull up Ibogaine so I can read it to him. But um, like I said earlier, we have a huge opiate crisis within America, right? And what are we giving them methadone box and subutex. And it's just put, it's another opiate that's just fucking stacking on top. And yes, it has changed people's lives a hundred percent, but it doesn't get to the root of the issue. Uh, let me read what Ibogaine is. Uh, can you just type in um, Ibogaine? Maybe no. Oh, I'll just read this. Ibogaine may work in reversing the effects of opiates on gene expression with resulting impacts on neuro resulting or returning them to pre-addiction condition what that actually means, right. Is there's places in Mexico, there's places in Panama, there's other places you go there and they take you through a very controlled environment with doctors and it's this super strong hallucinogen. Right. Um, and I don't know if you've ever heard or know anyone or have gone through yourself like detox withdrawal from opiates. It's a fucking bitch. I've gone through it 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 many many times. I've personally gone through it in my life. Right. Uh, when I, when I was younger, but, um, rerouting your brain your, your your receptors getting it back to before that prediction that, that that's not what these other drugs do right they just kind of mask the issue um but they don't get to the root of the problem and this insane hallucinogenic experience that you go through just pushes everything everything to the fucking front but the magic is what happens after is for a lot of people It reduces the withdrawal symptoms 80 to 100%, which is better than any other fucking tool. But it resets the brain so that you're looking at these drugs like, what the fuck? Like, it's just not the same. So it gets you back. Is that substance? Is that illegal? It's illegal in America. Yeah. Of course it is. A fucking course of this. That's it crazy. I saw it. Was, it's illegal in New Zealand. New, New Zealand. More and more countries are looking at it, right? It's very intense, man. Very, very That's intense. Crazy. Thing is, though, it's expensive right now. To go to Mexico to have treatment, it's like five, six grand. Not a lot of people have that, right? And so we just send our people to rehab and all these things. But, like, what happens if we could actually reset the fucking brain?
0: Yeah, because like, well, those users are so wired to that. That's all they know.
1: It's all they fucking and know. What
0: What sucks is like I've known a lot of people that have been on drugs, and when they get off drugs, they're forever stupid. Look Or they just look like they're on drugs. They act; those tendencies don't leave them, even no. though they've been off the shit for six years. They're just 100%. mentally gone. So, they could switch that. That'd be
1: dope. It's, a, it's we amazing. Need. Well, within our brain, we have opiate. We need to hand that out for
0: Halloween. Uh, that's hand what I'm saying.
1: Like it would be, and and you know, you obviously need someone to guide you through the experience, and it's like so important. But like we have opiate receptors within our brain. Not a lot of people do know that maybe they do whatever, but when you're constantly flooding them and flooding them and flame, of course there's going to be so much damage that takes place that to get a person that's been hooked to fucking heroin for 15 fucking years to get them back to how they were before. It's so fucking rare, man. Yeah. It's so rare, all the damage it causes, but this one tool right here can fucking help a lot of people. And that's the issue in America. It's like ever since you know the 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 you know the I believe it was the Nixon administration in nineteen seventy seventy one, you know made all of these drugs illegal, right? It, it changed the fucking game. I mean, because you go back to like the fifties and sixties, they were testing you know psilocybin. They're yeah, they're they putting cocaine in Coke. Do you have that? What I was just looking up. Well, Jesus,
2: <coughs> abigain is uh, classified as a schedule run.
1: Yeah. So and it's and that was in nineteen
2: seventy. Yep. Right when uh, Nixon's.
1: Yep, ban on all of that shit, wow. dude. All of that shit—it's it's just fucking absurd. Um, take this back to your story as we kind of get close to wrapping up. But what for you? Where is everything at today? You know what? I'm just—I just, just got to keep doing what
0: I've always done, and and the, the more people that come along and, and start to support it, or you know, listen to the music or buy the t-shirt, that's dope. But I just—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm pretty much here to supply that lifestyle of the people who've been here since day one, and, yeah. and the people that have kept supporting me because a lot of people switched up on them, you know, like different kinds of music and stuff. And they, even if they're 35 or when I met them when they're 16 and now they're in their thirties, I'm still going to bring that raw shit to them. And they're going to love that. So I'm just going to stick to my guns, keep doing what I'm doing. And the more people that come along, that's cool. They are along for the ride. Welcome aboard. Let's go. Yeah. It's just, I, I don't think like, I don't see myself slowing down. I'm having so much fun doing it. And I got a, a support team. My lady supports me a hundred percent and everything we do. So like that comes along with it, having a, a, f- a solid relationship, and you know, the f- a full freeway f- a autobahn to go as wherever I want to take it. So it's like pretty much it's in my hands, and a lot of artists can't say that because they're owned by record labels. And yeah, I got ties to Suburban Noise Records, and and but I'm not bound to anything, so I can just do whatever I want, whenever I want, and that's the freedom of it, and I, I love it. I don't feel myself as like a failing artist whatsoever. It's just like whatever I want to do, I do, and. People seem to like it and support it, so I'm gonna keep putting it out for them. And like I said, whoever comes along, welcome aboard.
1: I love that, man. You know, I've got an off-topic question, right? Are you afraid of death? You know
0: what? I, I've never really been afraid of death, but like the thought of it, the thought of it now, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to die no more. I, I got, I want to see my kids grow up. I want to see my four-year-old uh, start talking and, and get a little better. He's, he's got a, a really case of a uh, autistic. He's autistic. A real challenge, but I, I'm up for that challenge and I want to see him grow. So, like, I'm afraid of death to be honest with you now. I used to push the envelope, I didn't see myself living past 26 27 at yeah. all, and sitting here at 42, still doing the same stuff most of the same stuff, yeah, yeah. not life threatening stuff, you know. So, yeah, I'm, I'm afraid of death. I think so. I'd be a liar if I sat here and said I didn't, yeah. I wasn't afraid. But I mean, I'm down to die. What's, what's good? I mean, <laughs> it's, you know, it's going to happen it's to all, all of us? I'm
1: not afraid. I know it's coming. I just I don't wish it upon me or anybody. You yeah, know, it's a uh, it's a weird thought, right? Yeah. It's like there is uh, there is this thing at the end of whatever the time is in your road, right? That it will happen, right? To to all of us. All of us. All of us leave this earth. But, but
0: I'm not afraid to it toward the point. I'm not afraid to live because a lot of people are so scared to die they don't live. Yeah. they're stuck in their own little thing their comfort zone like I'm definitely and my lady's the same way too which is a plus like we just roam we do whatever we want to do what makes us happy and we, we live so we don't if we die doing what we love to do then f- you know that's so be it so absolutely I, I actually I, I'm not afraid of death ah, look how fast <laughs> that changed that, back. that, that just <laughs> bring that
1: back motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> what is uh what is the how, what does it mean to you, and what's the importance of having a, a strong woman or man? But for you, a strong woman by your side. Yeah, well, you know, I've I've been through relationship before, and
0: like it feels like every relationship I was in prepared me for this moment, for the perfect one. So like, it, it it's everything, you know. If, if a lot of people can go through life being single or by themselves, or they don't want to share nothing with them, I I love being able to share it with them and the child she brought into the world, and she does the same with the kids I brought into this world. So the fact that she loves my kids on un, unimaginably like i wouldn't imagine any girl coming to my situation so i kind of wrote it off actually so that the, i prayed for that moment and she did too and we just found each other so the importance is unexplainable like it's like a winning the lottery like, especially is. in this time and era with like people it's they're out there to to get someone that likes they have a lot of likes so they have a lot of, of yeah followers or they they do this they do that and it's it's hard to find someone that likes you purely for who you are and i'm a kook like i do (laughs) i'm acting like jim carrey 25 seconds out of every minute so like we got to find someone that likes that then i'm in there so yeah it's it's important to have a solid collar like shoulder blade i call like a shoulder blade or another backbone to you know not to like rely on but just to be there for you you know and share the goodness in life and go through our struggles together you know
1: it's so important. It's so funny you said backbone because my, uh, my wife calls me her backbone and I call her my right brain. Right. Yeah, you know, man. it's like everything, man. And, and having a strong person that you can go through the ups and downs and all arounds in, in this very short time span that we do have on this earth is so fucking important. It's so important. And unfortunately, um, most, most marriages fail and just people break up and – uh, that's why you know earlier i was saying i don't even know where on the podcast but like i think a lot of people get married and have kids way too young right not saying it does not work out i know you had kids at a, uh, well you must have been you were like in your 20, 28 yeah. 28 yeah. right um so many people have kids in their in their 20s and get married and do all this shit and it's just like slow the fuck down live your life those 20s are so important live your life yeah. uh, and, and wait like and and a lot more and more people are waiting nowadays. You know, waiting a little bit older to have kids. Like my brother was forty, and his wife was forty, and they had two twins, a boy and a girl. And yeah, it's harder. Your body doesn't move the fucking same. That's just life. But um, you know, you have that that experience, that real world experience, and and all of those memories, and you've grown into uh, the person that you are. But if you cut that off too short, so many people don't get to follow their dreams, their passions, and and all that i'll tell one more story real quick about mushrooms Um, yes please yeah 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 yeah. so um my i i go to this big event um in in orlando every single year and uh it was my wife myself my buddy ron um i think my cousin zach we're all at disney world um at animal kingdom and uh when we go there we like to eat some fucking mushrooms right and so we we ate them and, and i was tripping and and my wife, or at least I had decided at that moment that uh, we were going to have kids at the end of the year. Right. We were telling, I was telling everyone and my wife was just going along with it. And, um, my wife had just got broken to the the makeup. So she's a makeup artist, but she's a union makeup artist. She works on big movies and she just got into the union, which is like a huge thing. Right. And, um, and so I was telling all these people we're gonna have kids. Right. And so I'm, I'm tripping and I'm walking and I started thinking and I'm like, and it pushed that thought to the front. I'm like, wait a minute, what the fuck am I doing? And I turned to my wife and I'm crying at this moment, right? And I'm, I said, I'm so sorry. I'm so. She's like, Brock, what's wrong? I was like, babe, I'm so fucking sorry that I've been pushing you to pushing you to have kids. When literally you just broke into the union, you need to be able to follow your dreams and do you and make you Alyssa Goldberg, a fucking human being. So that when you look back, you have no fucking regrets. But I'm pushing this all on you. I'm like, I'm so fucking sorry. There is no rush. Let's just fucking wait, dude. And she looks at me and goes, Brock, and she starts crying. And she goes, I've been trying to tell you. She <laughs> goes, I, I, it's like I, I want to have kids with you, but like I need to see this out. I need yeah. to be able to follow this through. And so we're just both crying at fucking Disneyland, and it's just like, that's what these things do, right? They they allow you to fucking evaluate your life if you do it correctly. People go, oh, you did it at Disney World. It's not good. No, that's like a magical that's place. I've got place fucking Mickey it. Mouse tattooed on Shit. my fucking hand. Like, the the first, fuck out of here. One of the first times I ever did mushrooms, we took a
0: school trip to <laughs> Disneyland. I think I was a junior in high school, and I ate it. And I, I got an A to split with my friend, and once it got time to do it, he's like, no, man. So I ate it all. And then, like, he, he, he was into weed, too, so we smoked some weed on Tomahawks Island, and those guys wanted to go look for chicks. And I was like, I'm going to Toontown. I'm out of here let's them, go that's the best place to do acid it's not scary for him on acid or oh mushroom. my
1: god i love it dude i that's fucking love it just went to horror nights ate fucking like a gram and a half of mushrooms dude had the I, I just i absolutely love it but for my birthday every year we go to joshua tree rent out a big house and we go into the the the, the park and just laying on the rocks looking at it's just that is by far my favorite place and animal kingdom in disney world um I really appreciate you coming on this show. Yeah, man, thank you for you having me. You are such a good. Both of you guys, you guys are really great human beings, and 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 I love your story and everything that you've done to this to this point. And I know you've got a lot more. Um, people listening, where the, where can they find your shit? Well, I got of Chucky Chuck on Spotify Music, YouTube stuff. I, I'm in the works
0: on some new records. Uh, Chucky Chuck DGAF on Instagram. I'm pretty active on there. Other than that, like catch me at the local uh, bodega, maybe yeah. get a swisher sweet or a Let's... twisted tea. Yeah, you know, I know we got uh, some shows coming up too. We're playing uh, the Hard Rock in Vegas on the 29th with Mad Child, um, Spice One, Nice uh, Little Zan. Let's so, go! Yeah, it should be that should be a fun one. And then I got a benefit show in November with uh, Kyle from Slightly Stupid, uh, Obnoxious Mad Child, and myself for our friend George who uh, had a heart transplant. He got like a twenty-one-year-old heart put in him, so it's been wow. about well over about a over a year. He's had the heart transplant, so like we're just raising money for him because it can't work at that point. So wow.
1: we're, yeah, he's he's a good dude. Everything right. you just said is so incredible, crazy. Like yeah, it's fucking crazy, man. Like it's 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 literally crazy, and you just oh just yeah, we we
0: just um, when we were on the way here, we filled out application to be in how what is it um half baked part two. No way. Yeah, they're taking submissions, so we'll cross our fingers for that. while we'll trying to submit to being uh
1: they're doing half baked part two
0: baked part two and they're taking uh auditions. I mean Holy I got a lot of tattoos, but I could I could, shit.
1: I, I love that original movie was one of the best movies. I mean that's ever. what turned me on to Dave Chappelle, bro. Yep. It literally uh what And he, Jim Brewer was great. Jim Brewer, His, Jim Brewer dude, was great. Jim Brewer one. is fucking like yeah. the, both of them. They're doing yeah, yes, yeah, dude. Yeah. I got fucking chills right now. That that for me that was Everything like that that was that was our cheech and chomp. Yeah, you for know sure. And and damn everything Dave Chappelle and Jim Brewers turned into, but especially Dave Chappelle, man. Good for you, man. I hope you get that. Yeah, me too. That'd be hilarious. I hope you get that. I appreciate you, brother. I Good appreciate people, you, too, man. Thank you. Good stuff. Thanks all for right. the weed and the twisted tea Oh, absolutely. I'm glad I got you the peach. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, all right, all right. Thanks for listening to everyone. Boom. Yeah. Let's go, dude. Let's go. Let's go.